You know, it's fantastic when we gather together as the people of God and Jesus is present because he promised to be present. And as we come, we're coming to the promise keeper. The one who is the promise of God. The one who carries the promises of God. And the one who fulfills the promises of God. And as we come, we come to Jesus. And we need to recognize it's all about him. You know, we sing this song, don't we? It's all about you. But very easily, I think we slip into, it's all about me. And fulfilling my wishes and desires. No, it's all about him. He is the center of the Father's plan, promise, and future of this world. And as we look at Jesus, we see his promise way back in Genesis. Way back in Genesis where man had got it all wrong. Jesus is promised and he will put it all right. He's the Jesus we worship. And as we look at scripture, this is why, you know, this challenge to read books. You know, how many of us have got books? Oh dear, I don't, I shouldn't go down this road. But you know, we have an impressive collection of books. How many of us have read every book in our particular collection of books, our library? Very few of us. We buy them, they look impressive, we put them on the shelf. And that's okay for books, but it's not okay for the Bible. You can put a book on the shelf and leave it. But the problem with the people of God is we want to, we want to know the promises, we want to know the life of Jesus, but we're not prepared to put the, the effort in to do it. And so often Bibles will just gather dust on a shelf and we're claiming to be the people of God, but we're not willing to read and give time to reading the book that God has given us to read. And as I was thinking about Jesus, the, the promise keeper and the promises Jesus has made to us, you know, when you read through the Bible, it is a book which is overflowing with the promises of God. Every page carries a promise of God to us. But how do we know them if we never read them? You can stare at the cover. It's not going to work. You need to open. You need to word, read the words that are all nicely joined up. And you will find the promises of God revealed to us. And the promises of God are just there underlying everything. And so three little words contained in the Gospels just reveal so much of God's promise to us. And those three little words are not, I love you, but the three little words are the last words Jesus spoke from the cross, where he said, it is finished. Now we can read those words and sort of very quickly pass on, but the reality is, all the promises of God are almost expressed in those three words. It is finished because salvation has been accomplished. Our work, his work of salvation has been complete. As he gave himself on the cross. As our sins were laid upon him and he paid the price of our sin. The works that the Father sent him to do were completed. So when he cries, it is finished, we can live in the assurance of the fact that the work is finished. We cannot add to it, we cannot detract from it. Jesus completed that work and all he's saying is, I want you to receive my promise. And as a Christian, you are a promise receiver. 
you have received that promise of eternal life through Jesus. You ever think of yourself as a promise receiver? We always tend to home in on the things that we haven't quite got through yet. God wants us to really home in on the fact that in Christ, every one of his promises is yes and amen. And we can come and we can enter into the presence of the Father because Jesus has finished the work. And it doesn't matter what our history is. It doesn't matter what murky things we've got up, in, got up to in the past. As we come to Jesus this morning, and we say, I'm going to receive your promise. I'm going to receive your life. I'm going to receive your ongoing spirit. Then Jesus takes us as we are. Cue for a song. Jesus, take me as I am. But we won't go there either. So here we have Jesus who is the promise maker and the promise keeper. And he comes and reveals himself in that way each and every day. And in this respect, he is totally, totally different from us. We, we talk about how Jesus identifies with the humanity. He identifies with us. But there are those aspects where, thank God, he is totally different. Because I want to ask one question. How many people here have made a promise to someone and you've not kept it? Don't put your... Go on. I say that one hand. <laughs> but we're like that, aren't we? We can make rash promises. We can say things in a moment. We make a promise, but we don't have the resources in order to fulfill that promise. And the truth is, Jesus never ever made a promise or makes a promise that he does not have the resources to fulfill. And we can move forward in that wonderful assurance that when Jesus has spoken a promise to us, we can move forward in that promise because he has the resources we need to see that promise fulfilled. Jesus is extravagant in his promises. He makes promises we simply do not deserve. You may feel like that about your children. You have made promises to them. Jesus makes promises that we simply do not deserve. But he is extravagant in the promises he, has, he makes. And so I would encourage you to read through Scripture and look for the promises of Jesus which lie there in every page. I want to read one section of Scripture. And it's a section from John chapter 6. And it's only five verses. But consider the promises Jesus includes in these verses. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Here comes the promise. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And this is the promise of eternal life. That as we turn to Jesus, in our inner selves, we need never hunger or thirst because Jesus comes and satisfies every inner desire. He who comes to me will never grow hungry and thirst. Those, this is verse 37, those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never 
drive away. Second promise. So we will not hunger and thirst, but there's this promise that I will never drive away. So I want to ask one question. When you feel removed from God, when God feels distant, who's moved? These are such important because we can look in God. We blame God for all sorts of things. But Jesus say, as he has called us, he is not going to drive us away. So the responsibility lies with us to keep close to Jesus. He's not pushing us away. He's not keeping us at arm's length. He didn't die on the cross in order that, oh, well, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Jesus is thoroughly committed to his people. And we, as we come together, he will never, ever drive us away. Today, if you are feeling distance from God, draw near. Because the promise is that we draw near, he's going to draw near to us. Because Jesus died in order that we might have access to the Father. And as we have access to the Father, Jesus is never, never going to drive us away. Five, four or five verses of Scripture, so full of promises. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. I shall lose none of those whom he has given me. So in a sense, it's a repeat of that, I will never drive away. But Jesus goes on to say, not only will I never drive away, but he adds to that, and he said, I will raise them up at the last day. In fact, at the end of that section, Jesus said, you know, it's the Father's will that I raise them up on the last day. And this is an eternal promise. Jesus is never going to drive us away in the present, but he has this wonderful future lined up for the people of God. I will raise them up on the last day. And again, it is so easy for us just to read over these scriptures and not particularly think a great deal of them until we are faced with death. And once we are faced with death, these promises of Jesus really come into their own. So as a community, over this last 12 months, we've said goodbye to three saints. Anne, Ross, and Bob. And it's great to have Val with us this morning. And we have memories of these three saints. But you know what is absolutely tremendous? Because in the middle of the grieving, in the middle of the sadness, in the middle of the sense of loss, there is this overriding thought that Jesus has them safe in his arms and on the last day he's going to be, they're going to be raised up as are we. Now, that is the hope of the Christian. The world knows nothing about this. They are lost when it comes to death. They have no idea of how to handle death. And I've listened when I was preparing Anne's, uh, Anne Andros's funeral. You want to be well prepared because you do not want to get it wrong on the day. And so... You, my practice is to visit the crematoriums, which are going to be used, just to make sure you get everything, because everyone has its own ways. And there's one particular occasion I visited, and you could go into the waiting room, and you could watch what was happening in the one that was going on at that particular point. And this was obviously a non-Christian ceremony, and the thing that really struck me was that there was absolutely no sense of hope for the future. 
It was absolutely devoid of any sense that there is a future. There is another life. And I just thought, what a wonderful privilege we have. That as we celebrate the lives of saints departed, we have that hope of heaven promised by Jesus. And Jesus has gone before us to prepare the way. One day he's going to come back. But whether we die before he comes back or whether we're still here when Jesus comes back. The reality is that day of resurrection will come where we're going to be united with him. We're going to be united with one another and live for an eternity in glory. Oh, well, I think it's good news. And so we celebrate. We are the ones, the, the truly the ones who can celebrate lives lived for Jesus because it is not the end. So this sermon is in three parts. There are three parts, the beginning and end and the bit in the middle. Now that bit is the beginning. And now you're wondering, how long's the rest? Well, I'm not going to tell you that. But what I would like us to do, I'm just going to give a personal reflection now on how I've encountered Jesus, the promise maker, just over this last uh, fortnight. And many of you know, it's been a bit of a battle regarding the building across the road, where we should have moved in, in early April last year. And the reality is, we're not even going to move in in April this year. And it's been an ongoing struggle. But I encountered the promise maker last week. So I would like the lights to go out. And I would like a photograph to be shown. Now that particular photograph was taken of a sunset last week over the Emmanuel Center. And I can honestly say that that does not do justice to the colors and the vibrancy of the colors over the Emmanuel Center. But as I was looking at that, Psalm 19 came to mind. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. And yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. That is the scripture that came to mind when I saw that over the Emmanuel Center. And it reminded me that Jesus has made us promises. Let's have the lights back on, please. Jesus has given us promises as a community. He has spoken over us. He has told us that that building is for the feeding of the nations. That people will be sent to the nations. People will come from the nations. Resources will flow to and from the Emmanuel Center for the nations. And Jesus has promised that his presence will be with us in power. And as we gather more and more people in the Emmanuel Center, lives will be changed. Now, the Emmanuel Center is, as is this, a big metal box, which has got some nice fittings inside. We've got lovely fittings, it's got no heat. But the actual finish is wonderful. And so, it is a box. But the reality is, when Jesus comes to the box, 
It becomes a place of encounter with the living God. And this is the promise that Jesus has made to us. That as we gather in that place, he will be faithful to his promise and people will come to know him. The sick will be healed. The oppressed will be delivered and set free. The fearful will be set free. Addictions will be broken because Jesus has promised to come and meet with us in power and to bring people into that place of restoration which is his heart and desire for each and every one of his children. He wants us to walk in wholeness as the people of God. He wants us to live in the reality of Isaiah 61. Where we as a community can declare the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me or upon us. Because he has promised, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken heart and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We need to be living in the reality of that promise of God to us as we press on from here to there. Lay hold of his promises in prayer. Give ourselves to the fulfillment of those promises and see Jesus do incredible things. And I firmly believe that as we gather in ever-increasing numbers in the Emmanuel Center, a place where we're worshipping Jesus with passion and devotion, we will see heaven come in a way that we have not seen before. He will come and he will meet with ordinary men and women and he will transform them into extraordinary men and women for his plans and purposes. Because this is the promise of Jesus, taking the ordinary things of everyday life and transforming into the extraordinary people of God. Do you know you are extraordinary? I know it's hard to believe sometimes, you know, but we're extraordinary in the hands of God. God can achieve extraordinary things in and through us because we are the choice of God. And so I want to look very briefly at how we receive the promises. We have Jesus who is the promise of God. We have that personal word, but how do we receive? How do we move forward from simply knowing them to receive them? Well, I believe we need to position ourselves. That is, we position ourselves spiritually in order to get into that place where we can receive all that God has got for us. This is where we are cooperating with Jesus in order to see his promises Fulfilled, And as we look at Scripture, what we can see is that all of the great heroes of faith, all of the great characters of faith, got to this one particular point of positioning themselves, which was the key to them receiving the promises of God. Every one of them got to that place of surrender. Every one of them got to that place of surrender. And Jesus is the incredible example Because his will was to fulfill the Father's will. He was entirely devoted and given over to God the Father. Jesus is saying to us, as you surrender yourself to me, I will do incredible things. Just read through. And look at how the great 
characters of Scripture are on that journey of surrender. And some of them take a little while to get there. And I think this is the most wonderful thing about Scripture. It doesn't hide the humanity of the people involved. But they're there, and they have discussions with God. Some of them don't give in straight away. Some do, some don't. But I love the story of Moses, that great hero of the Exodus, and he bargains with God. God is saying, I want you to do this. Oh, I can't. I want you to do this. Oh, I can't. I want you to do this. Well, send somebody with me. Right, I'll send somebody with you. But the reality is Moses gets to that point of surrender, giving himself to God, and they see the most amazing things happen. And so Moses and the Israelites, as they crossed over the sea, got to the side, sang this song, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver has, he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. And we, like Moses, have a journey, but we need to get to that place of surrender in order to see the fulfillment of the promises of Jesus to us. Because it's all about him. And let me, into, let, let me uh, give you a secret. The sooner we as individuals surrender to the promises of God, the more hassle you save yourself. <laughs> you see, it is true. See, if you are in a place of discussion or argument with God, who's going to win? <laughs> and we can save ourselves a whole lot of trouble as we get to that place of surrendering to God, to the promises of Jesus in our life. Now you consider Paul, Paul the Apostle. He was absolutely opposed to everything the church stood for. He was taking people off and he was throwing them into prison. He was breathing murderous threats against the church. But he got to that place where he met the resurrected Jesus. He surrendered. And then writing to the Philippians in chapter 3, he said, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Now just allow those words to sink in. Paul, chosen by God, seeing the promises of God fulfilled, but he had to get to that place of surrender. And folks, I want to say this as well. That place of surrender is not necessarily a life of comfort. And I think one of the issues is that in the West... We tend to think that God owes us something and he owes us a comfortable life when our brothers and sisters across the world are suffering for believing what we believe. Paul could say, I consider everything loss. That's the surrender. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus is my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. But I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ that's the position we need to adopt 
we need to get to that place of surrender that we might receive the promises of God. Let's stand together. If we could have the musicians back. Today, as we close with this song, it's a song all about surrendering to Jesus. And it doesn't matter where you've been on your spiritual journey up to now. Make today that day of fresh commitment to Jesus and see how he will be faithful to the promises he has made you as you position yourself in him.